You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. The Lord is good. After the last 12 weeks, I'm just glad to be anywhere. Julie and I have been, I like to use this uh, tele-evangelist. Ooh, I feel $1,000 coming on right now. But Julie and I have been married for 38 years, and most of that we've spent apart. That's how you stay married a long time. Don't ever go home. But we spent 12 weeks together. And I'm telling you, 12 weeks together, that's the most we've ever been together. And she is thanking God that I'm in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina. After about three weeks of that, she said, don't you have somewhere to be? I said, I'm sick. She said, you've been sick a long time. I said, baby, it's my voice. She said, it's your brain, amen. And for 10, for 12 weeks, I've just sat there at the house. I've been preaching some on Sunday morning. And so this is my first meeting out. And according to my therapist, I'm only supposed to preach 30 minutes, but she ain't here tonight. And I didn't give her the address, but for 12 days after the surgery, I couldn't even whisper. I was supposed to keep my mouth totally closed. I couldn't, I'm telling you, I got depressed. Silence is not golden. And I had to, you know, do hand signals write on messages, boy, and I can't even spell. And uh, so about three days after that, one of my granddaughters went up to my wife and was going, she said, Grandma, what am I saying? <laughs> she said, I got one big baby. We don't need another one. But the Lord's blessed me, and I appreciate all my friends. One day after the surgery, was riding down the road just to get out of the house, and my phone rang. And my son was taking my calls. And he said, Joe Arthur's son, can I help you? And I heard that voice on the other end. I said, hang up, it's the sheriff department. And there's Brother Fats Warren checking on me. And I drove in tonight and seen the sheriff car. I said, my God, they're still after me. Somebody pray for me, in it. But it's just a blessing to be here. Second Kings chapter number 19. I'm going to preach about revival tonight. But hopefully Wednesday night, I want to share with you a message that God gave me in the midst of our turmoil. And I believe it will be a help to you, but I want to keep on this revival theme tonight. And uh, I asked my dear brother, I said, man, 19th anniversary, what are you doing here? And he said the cheapest date he could find was to come to hear me preach. That's what. <laughs> but uh, we'll be praying for you, sister. God bless you. And uh, But I, I love the Williams family. Wasn't that a blessing tonight? And I love to preach and minister where there's young people. It makes me feel good. I, I made a mistake last week. I invited your pastor to come down to preach. And he done such a great job, they want to throw me out. But I said, no, you got to keep the old man around. But you would have been proud of your pastor. He preached the glory down. And our people enjoyed it. He preached a powerful message. And I appreciate it. It was wonderful. And I don't have to tell you, but you are blessed to have a preacher. 
that preaches the word of the Lord, and I appreciate him tonight. And I thank God for him, and the Lord is good. I want you to turn to somebody to the right and say, I love you. Now turn to somebody to your left and say, I'm praying about liking you. Amen. <laughs> Pastor Kenzie's wife said that to him. God bless you, sister. I appreciate my buddy over here from the big city of Empoya. I was checking in the hotel this afternoon, and I said to the clerk, I said, you're from Roanoke Rapids. She said, no, I'm from Skippers. That's a metropolitan of Emporia. But the Lord is good. If you save, say amen. If you're glad about it, say hallelujah. If you know it and glad about it, say whoop. I can't shout, so you got to do it for me. Second Kings chapter number 19 tonight. We'll begin reading in verse number 14. Second Kings chapter 19 and verse number 14. And Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord. And can I say tonight, anytime you're going up to the house of the Lord, you're going in the right direction. And he went up into the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel. Now if you have a pencil or a writing implement tonight, underline this phrase. We're going to visit it in just a moment. O Lord God of Israel, which dwellest, say that with me, which dwellest between the cherubims. Thou art the God even thou alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, thou hast made heaven and earth. Lord, bow down now thine ear and hear, and open, Lord, thine eyes and see. And hear the words of Sennacherib, which hath sent him to reproach the living God. Of a truth, Lord, the kings of Assyria have destroyed the nations and their lands, and have cast their gods, notice little g, and any time you see the word God with a little g in the Bible, that means fake, frivolous, phony, and fairy tale. I'm glad that's not our God. He's the big G God. Lord, I felt something on that. And have cast their gods into the fire. For they were no gods, but the works of men's hands, wood, stone. Therefore, they have destroyed them. Now therefore, O Lord, our God, I beseech thee, save thou us out of his hand, that all of the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord God, even thou only. For the sake of time, come to verse number 35. And it came to pass that night. Oh, notice the emphasis. It came to pass that night. It was a night of darkness. It was a night of danger. It was a night of desperation. It was a night of despair. It was a lonely, dark night. But even though it might be night, the God of the day is still the God of the night. And it may be a night season in your life but he's still God. It's a night season in the life of America tonight. 
Everything that you and I hold dear is on the brink of plunging into an abyss of darkness. But what a wonderful time for God to move. And it came to pass that night. I don't know what happened all them other nights, but I know what happened that night. God rolled up his sleeves and did the impossible. And it came to pass that night. I'm hung up on that phrase. And it came to pass that night. And it came to pass that night. Well, glory. I ain't preached in a while. I may go three hours for this thing. And it came to pass that night. And it came to pass that night that the angel of the Lord, I know who that is. And it came to pass that night that the angel of the Lord went out and smote in the camp of the Assyrians a hundred and four score and five thousand. When they rose up early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. You know why? Because that night somebody got a hold of God and God did what nobody else could do. Every time I drive up on this property, I can't forget about in the 70s, back on this field over here, that was a tent. And some of you were in that tent meeting. And under that tent was a preacher from Atlanta, Georgia. And they called him the young man with the old message. And his name was Mays Jackson. Mays Jackson recommended me to the church where I've been pastor now almost 38 and a half years. He was a friend of our family. He preached for my dad up in Virginia every September whether God was in it or not. And he was probably one of the greatest preachers that came through the South in the 50s and 60s and 70s and even up into the 80s. Many years ago, Brother Mays was preaching in a place called Greensboro, North Carolina. And said a little lady come up to him after the church that night and said, Brother Mays, my son, my son is a drunkard. My son is a doper. He has been in and out of jail for the last several years. He's about to worry me and his father to death. She said, Brother Mays, I want you to touch heaven for my son. At that time, Brother Mays had never heard anybody use that phrase, touch heaven for my son. He said, I went back to my motel room that night and he said, I didn't kneel by the bed. I didn't kneel by the chair, but I laid on my face in the floor of that hotel room. And I said, God, I don't even know what that woman is talking about. But if it's any way possible that I can touch you and get a hold of you and you will get a hold of that boy, I would appreciate it in the mighty name of Jesus. Three About, about three months after that, Brother Mays was in Winston-Salem, preaching at the great Woodland Baptist Church. And at the end of the service that night, he was shaking hands and signing Bibles. He looked up and there stood that lady. And beside of her stood a nice, clean-cut young man with a big old Bible under his arm. And she said, Brother Mays, I want to introduce you to my son. God saved him. 
God sobered him up. And by the way, everybody God saves, he sobers up. And God called that young man to preach. And he got a very, very fruitful ministry till the Lord called him home. And that night, God birthed one of the great Mays Jackson sermons in his heart. From that night forward, for the next 40 plus years, he preached all over this country on somebody touch heaven for me. And in that sermon, he said that Abraham touched heaven for his nephew Lot. In that sermon, he said that Moses touched heaven for the nation of Israel. In that sermon, he said that Paul and Silas touched heaven for that little earthly beginning church. And he said in that sermon that when Jesus died upon Calvary, he touched heaven for all of us because there's one mediator between God and man and that is the man, Christ Jesus. I will never forget hearing that as a little boy. Somebody touched heaven for me. And I always knew it was possible that a child of God that's been born of the Spirit, redeemed by the blood, has access to the mighty throne of grace, can get a hold of God, and God get a hold of somebody, because somebody went and got a hold of God. And I'm telling you, most of us are in this room tonight, because somebody touched heaven for you. Somebody got a burden for you. Somebody got a concern for you. The sweet Holy Spirit laid you on somebody's heart and they took you to the throne of grace and all of us in this room tonight are an answer to somebody's prayer. Well, when I read our text, I said, man, that is exactly what happens in 2 Kings chapter 19. A man by the name of Hezekiah that not only loved God, but he loved his nation. A man that not only loved the law of God, but he loved the people of God. He realized the hour of desperation in which he lived. He had seen the sin and the apathy and the apostasy of those precious people called the children of Israel. And he realized that sin was at an all-time high. And he realized that over the horizon was an enemy that had set his sights on destroying everything that he loved. And Hezekiah realized his money couldn't buy him out of that one. Hezekiah realized that their military might couldn't fight their way out of that one. And so he goes up to the house of the Lord and he gets a hold of God and he gets a hold of the horns of the altar and that night he just pours his soul out to God. And that night God came on the scene and did what Hezekiah couldn't do. He did what money couldn't do. He did what war machines could not do. That night God answered prayer and moved in a mighty way. And for the next 30 years they had revival in a land that was on the edge of extinction. You say, Brother Joe, that was thousands of years ago. I'm glad you brought that up. I got a verse for that. 
Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. In fact, I have another verse that goes along with that. I am the Lord and I change not. In fact, I have another verse for that. The arm of the Lord is not too short that he cannot save. I'm glad the God we serve tonight He's not a pot-bellied, bald-headed, incense-smoking piece of wood. I just described several Baptist preachers I know, including me. And I'm telling you, I'm glad the God we serve tonight, he's alive. He has ears to hear. He has eyes to see. He has a heart to love. He has a mouth to speak. I'm glad he's the all-powerful God. He's the omniscient God. He's the omnipresent God. He is the eternal God and he has no end, and he has no beginning. And if you're saved tonight, washed in the blood, birthed of the Holy Spirit, you've got access to his throne. You have access to the throne of grace. Let's go get a hold of God. Let's touch God. Let's see what God can do because it is no secret what God can do because what he's done for others, he can do for you. I want you to come to this text tonight. And I want you to see three things about Hezekiah's prayer. Number one, I want you to see tonight the burden of this man's prayer. The burden of this man's prayer. He realized the hour of desperation had come. He's not approaching this in a flippant manner. Here is a man under a burden. Here is a man that realizes the nation that he loves and everything that he holds dear is on the brink of destruction. He realizes that their way of worship has been lampooned by the enemy. He knows at any moment forces will come and destroy that beautiful temple where the Shekinah glory of God had filled the house. He knew that enemy would come and ravish and rape their sons and their daughters. He realized that his nation and everything that he held dear was dangling on the edge of total annihilation. And this man is so concerned, this man is so burdened, he goes and asks God to intervene and to move in a mighty way. You say, now Brother Joe, what has that got to do with us? Well, for the next few moments, I'm going to tell you what that's got to do with us. And if it rubs the cat fur the wrong way, turn the cat around and we'll stroke it a lick or two on the other side. But you look up at me, this nation called America, and our freedoms, and our religious freedom, and our spiritual heritage, and the future of our children, and the way of life that we have loved and enjoyed, do you realize tonight it is dangling by a thread on the brink of extinction. Ladies and gentlemen, you have problems when your nation is led by people who care more about striped lizards and spotted owls than the do unborn babies in the womb of their mother. 
And then they get on the television and on the news and they try to make you think that they love the children and they love the little children and they have murdered since 1973 over 63 million of them on the form of abortion and they want to tell you that they care and I'm telling you anytime you want to take the mind of a fifth grader or a fourth grader and tell them if you don't want to be a boy anymore you don't have to be. If you don't want to be a girl anymore you don't have to now, I'm just going to tell you brother that rock good crowd ain't getting my children they're not getting the minds of my grandchildren if I have to go out and sell cold colas and, and pawn off Krispy Kreme donuts uh, that crowd's not getting my children you realize this little sticker on the bumper of these weirdos cars that says coexist they don't want to coexist coexistence is not on their program they want annihilation they want domination they want the preacher to shut up. They want the church to shut up and it's amazing to me that in America everybody's got freedom of speech but an old fashioned Bible waving Holy Ghost filled Christian. But I've come to tell you tonight I will not be intimidated. I will not be bought off. I will not be silenced. I'm going to take my stand and say bless God I love America and I love my family and I love my heritage and I love the churches and I know the war clouds are hanging low the economy's never been this out of sorts in fact I got robbed today I got robbed today I got robbed today at pump number three at the Exxon station it robbed me Man, I knew they were making cars that would run off electricity, but I didn't know they made cars that would run off of gold. I'm telling you, if the Clampets were here and Jeff Robodine was here, he'd say, Paul, I've shot a rabbit, and out came bubbling gold. I'm telling you, brother, we're living in a nation. They say we got a shortage of this, and we got a short. I want to tell you what America's got a shortage of. Decency, morality, common sense sense and the problem is when you throw God out and you kick God out the Bible said the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and we've raised a generation for the last 40 years and we've told them there's no right and there's no wrong and there's no heaven and there's no hell and there's no real living God you just make God whatever you want him to be and brother we are seeing the results of 40 years of kicking God out and shoving God out. It's never been this dark before in America. It's never been this morally dark. It's never been this more economical dark. It's not been this more spiritual dark. We're dangling on the brink tonight of World War III. We're dangling on the brink of extinction. Everything that we love, everything that we hold dear, the enemy's after it tonight. They want to shut down the church. They want to silence the preacher. They want to destroy the family. They want the minds of them little boys and girls that go traipin' by here a while ago. But you're here to tell me they got a problem. There's a force in this world called the Church of the Living God, the blood-washed, Holy Ghost-filled, bride of Christ, the army of God, who Jesus is our captain, and the Holy Ghost is our commander. And I'm glad to tell you tonight, we can turn this thing around. We can turn this thing around. You say, Brother Joe, we can't buy it. You're right. Brother Joe, we can't manufacture it. You're right. 
Brother Joe, we can't have it through military. You're right. But I'll tell you, there's enough people in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina tonight that the Victory Baptist Church can get on our knees and say, oh God, please, one more time, rim the heavens. Oh God, one more time, move in mighty power. How many in this room tonight believes your family is worth fighting for and your church is worth fighting for and the future of the next generation is worth getting a hold of God for? The burden of this man's prayer Brother John, what I love about Hezekiah, his burden didn't drive him to drinking. I had this fellow tell me one time, he said, when I get problems, I go get drunk. I said, that's really gonna help. One guy come off one day, he said, my wife left me and I got drunk. I said, that's what your kids need now, two idiots for parents. Hello. Ah, oh, his burden didn't drive him to drinking. His burden didn't drive him away from church. I got members I ain't seen in two years. They so lost the FBI can't find them. Son, I'm telling you, there are some people, it don't take nothing to knock them out of church. I, I noticed this, nothing knocks them out of Walmart. Ain't we having fun in double R tonight? Nothing knocks them out of Home Depot. Nothing knocks them out of Ralph's Barbecue. And if you let something keep you from a Second Street hot dog, you are heathen. Say amen. I'm just telling you tonight, brother, his burden didn't drive him away from God. His burden didn't make him bitter. You know what the Bible said in our text? He took that letter from the thread of that enemy and he bundled it up. And one of his servants said, King Hezekiah, where are you going? He said, I'm going to church. I'm going to the house of the Lord. And I'm going up to the hill of the Lord. I'm going over yonder where I've heard from God before. We had a service one time and some people come to the altar. And after church, I heard some in Baptists flapping them gums, burning them tongue barons. I mean, flapping it at both ends. I felt like Maze Jackson felt in Winston-Salem, North Carolina one night. This woman come up to him. She said, Brother Maze, I'm under deep conviction about my tongue and I want to lay it on the altar. Brother Maze said, Sister, that's 40 feet long. If you think it's long enough, lay her down. Now you blondes are going to get that about four o'clock in the morning and go, ooh, that was funny right there. And I heard them flappers in the back and I was listening to one of them said to the other one, you know what I noticed about her? She must be a great sinner. She goes to the altar every time we have church. She's down there every service. And that, oh boy, she must be just wicked as she could be. She went down there this morning and she went right back down again tonight. Now listen, I know you're not supposed to stick your nose in other people's business, but when you're the pastor, you can stick your nose in anybody's business you want to. And I stuck my nose in their business and I offered my little opinion. I said, excuse me, sisters. I said, let the pastor say a word. I'm not worried about them who go to the altar every time we have church. I'm worried about them who ain't been since Moby Dick was a minna. 
I've been at the same church, buddy, for 38 years, and them altar goers, them frequent altar goers, they don't get up petitions to have you run off. They don't start rumors on you and your family. They don't stand up in a business meeting and plummet their ignorance on everybody. No, you say, well, preacher, I don't understand why they go so often. Well, let me ask you this. Anybody here ever been to Ralph's more than once? Anybody ever here ever been to McDonald's and lived to tell about it more than once? Oh, man, anybody here ever been to Second Street more than once? Anybody here ever ate at your own wife's kitchen? I doubt it, more than once. Oh, you know why you go back? You like the groceries. You know why you go back? You like the groceries. Well, Brother Joe, why do people come to the altars so much? I'll tell you why. They like what they got so good, and it met such a need in their life. They want to come back and get some more. Now, I'll tell you this, brother. You may get on somebody's nerve in the church by going to the altar a lot, but there is a God in heaven who loves you, who's made it possible, who's invited you to the throne of grace. You're not going to bother God. You're not going to get on God nerves. It's okay tonight to take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. The burden of his prayer. Quickly tonight. The basis of his prayer. Notice what it said in verse number 15 of our text. The basis of Hezekiah's prayer. I'm getting ready to start on this point. I know what's coming. I'm about to shout before I get there. And that doctor told me, he said, you can start back preaching, but non-Pentecostal style. He said, you need to preach Southern Baptist style and just talk to them. I tried that for about 10 minutes and I felt what I'm feeling right now. So y'all help me out. I ain't supposed to strip a gear, but I'm wanting to turn a cartwheel right now so bad I can't stand it. And I'm just telling you, you might not be an outward expresser, but on this point, I believe you at least gonna grin. In fact, the matter, you're gonna have to do everything you can to keep your dignity on this next point. You're gonna have to buckle your seat to that seat and put tape over your mouth or you may act Baptist before this point is over. Son, I saw this. If I don't wear robes, but if I'd have had one on, I'd have busted the back end out of it. Say amen. Son, notice what he says in verse 15. O Lord God, which dwelleth between the cherubims. Now, what in the world does all of that mean? The God that dwelleth between the cherubims. Okay, Bible study time. You ready? He is at the temple, which is the house of God. You know what that meant? That meant in the outer court. That was a brazen altar where the guilty died on that altar. Its blood was shed, its life was taken on that altar. As you left there, you came to a brazen lever where the high priest was watch his hands and his feet and his face. Then he would go into the inner court. He would go into what is called the holy place. And on this side was a lampstand. On this side was a table of bread. And in the middle was the altar of incense that brought a sweet smelling savor to God. But then there was a veil that closed off a room that's 15 by 15. 
It's called the Holy of Holies. Now, in that Holy of Holies, there was one article of furniture in three parts. Now, I don't want to stay right there, but I want to turn a cartwheel right there. There was one article of furniture in three parts. One article of furniture in three parts. Not three separate parts, but all three in one that made one part but manifested in three parts. Well, Lord, have mercy. That one article of furniture, it's called the Ark of the Covenant. You say, where's the three parts? Well, there was the chest part, the box part, the bottom part, and in that chest was a pot of Aaron's, a, a, a pot of manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and a part of the commandments that Moses break in the dust before Mount Sinai. That is the Ark of the Covenant. But then on top, whoop, of the ark of that covenant was the mercy seat. On top of the broken law, on top of everything that reminded them of the rebellion in the wilderness was the mercy seat, the propitiation seat. Oh, but part number three, on top of that ark, on top of that ark of the covenant where them cherubims spread their wings on the day of atonement the high priest would bring the blood from the sacrifice of the outer court and he would bring that blood in there and he would put it on the mercy seat and here's where part number three comes in when the blood was put on that mercy seat from the animal that was sacrificed in the outer court something else happened part number three showed up the Shekinah glory of God as they say on the mountains of North Carolina the Shekinah glory of God the Shekinah glory of God the cloud the presence the outward manifestation of the glory of God would dwell on top of that blood stained mercy seat that cloud would go up through the roof of the tabernacle and you could see it in a distance you could see it at a distance and you would know that God was there before you got there now listen God never showed up until the death of the sacrifice. God never showed up till the blood was applied. But when the blood was applied on the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God, on the mercy seat, which represents the mercy of God, on top of that is the blood, which represents the propitiation of God, and on top of the blood are the cherubims, which represents the awesomeness and the holiness of God. But on top of that was the cloud that represented the glory of God. You say, what's that guy do with the text? I'm going somewhere. Notice what he's doing when he binds up that burden, when he binds up that prayer request, when he's going up into the house of the Lord and he's going towards that, well, glory. Somebody hold my false teeth while I shout, say amen. And I don't even have them, but borrow somebody else's false teeth. No, I'm telling you, as he's going up that hill, as he's going up towards that temple, you know where he's going? He's going to the presence of God. He's going to the mercy of God. 
He's going to the blood of God. He's going to the holiness of God. He's going to the blood of God. And can I say this tonight? There's not a devil big enough. There's not a disease big enough. There's not a sin big enough. There's not a nation that needs revival that's wicked enough. It's no match for the presence of God. It's no match for the mercy of God. It's no match for the glory of God and the blood of God. You say, what are we doing tonight, preacher? We're going to take our nation. We're going to take our homes. We're going to take our families to the presence of God, to the mercy of God, to the blood of God, to the holiness of God, to the blood of God. As Hezekiah is walking up to that place, he is saying, Lord, my money's not enough. Oh, God, my military might. It's not enough. God, all of my kingdom, it's not enough. But I'm hanging the hope of my family, and I'm hanging the hope of my people, and I'm hanging the hope of my nation on the presence of God, on the mercy of God, on the blood of God, on the holiness of God, and on the glory. I just believe tonight there is somebody in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, that loves your nation, and loves your family, and loves your heritage, and we can get under burden tonight and go to the presence of God, and the glory of God, and the blood of God, and the mercy of God, and I'm glad his presence, his glory, his blood, his mercy is more than enough. He said, Brother Joe, I didn't feel it then. Well, if you don't feel it on this next one, check into the funeral home. You ready? Here we go. Hezekiah's going up. Hezekiah's getting close. Hezekiah is drawing nigh, but he's got a problem. You say, what is that problem? He is a king with authority, but he's not a priest with access. He has to go up. He has to draw nigh. He has to get close, but he cannot go in. He stands on the outside. Lord, have mercy. I'm going somewhere. He stands on that outside, prays through that veil, although he's never been back there. He's read about it. The high priest told him about it. Hezekiah, and here's God's presence, and here's God's mercy, and here's God's propitiation, and here's God's glory. He can go close. He can go up. He can draw nigh, but he can't go in. He is a king with authority, but he is not a priest with access. But I want to say, getting close is pretty good. Drawing nigh is pretty good. Going up is pretty good. Here it is. Seatbelt time. Are you ready? Is there anybody tonight in Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, that's saved. I'm talking born again. Washed in the blood of the Lamb. Regenerated by the Holy Spirit. Whoop, your name, I hadn't done that in a long time. That felt good. Whoop, and anybody here been born of the Spirit? If you, I tell you, if you've been washed in the blood, raise your right hand. If you've been born again, raise your left hand. If you're on your way to heaven, just wave both of them. All right, hold on. 
those that are waving at me, you're better off than Hezekiah. You say, you've lost your mind. You came to hear me. What do you mean? One more time. Anybody here saved? Born again? Washed in the blood? Redeemed by Calvary? Your name's written in the book? And bless God, even your mother-in-law can't take it out. That's something to shout about right there. Hey, anybody here that's saved and you know it? If you're saved and you know it, clap your hands. If you're saved and you know it, clap your hands. If you're saved and you know it, then your face ought to show it. If you're saved and you know it, clap your hands. If you're saved and you know it, do all three. Hey, man, you gotta, you gotta have rhythm to do that. One more time, anybody here saved? Born of the Spirit? Names written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Well, I'm telling you, you're better off than Hezekiah. You say, how am I better off than Hezekiah? I gotta quote some scriptures. My time's running out. Turn that clock off. Oh, can I quote some scripture? Revelation chapter one, verse five, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins and his own blood and made us kings and priests. 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 You may not know this tonight, but you're looking at King Arthur and Priest Joseph. You know the difference between a king and a priest? A king has authority. And I'm telling you tonight, if we Baptists was to preach what the Bible says about the authority of the believer and the power of God, they'd all call us phonies and fanatics. Brother, we're not some weakly, anemic, ragtag army holding on by the honey. We're the bride of Christ, the church of the living God, the Holy Ghost infused, blood washed, born again believer. Our name is on the roll and our foot is on the rock. Heaven is our home and we're not going to hell. We're kings, we have authority. Oh, but that day on Calvary, Brother Brad, when Jesus cried, tell us to I, it is finished. The Bible said the veil of that temple that kept everybody away from the presence of God and the mercy of God and the blood of God and the glory of God. The Bible said that veil was rent from the top to the bottom. And that veil that used to say, you bunch of stinking Gentile dogs, get out of here. Hell is your home. You know what it says now? Can I quote some more scripture? You know what it says now? Therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Hezekiah can draw nigh. Hezekiah can go up. I'm about to enjoy my own preaching. And Hezekiah can get close, but he cannot go in. 
But if you're in this room tonight and your sins have been forgiven, you've been washed in the blood of the cross and been regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can do more than get up. You can do more than draw nigh. You can do more than get close. You can walk in. You can walk in. You can walk in. You can walk into the presence of God, into the mercy of God, into the propitiation of God, into the glory of God. And there's not a sin. There's not a problem. There's not a day. There's not a darkness that cannot be solved when God's people walk in the presence of God and in the mercy of God and in the propitiation of God and into the glory of God. We have access. And just when I thought it couldn't get any better than that, I had to park, catch my breath, cause it hit me again. You say, preacher, isn't it awesome that people like us from frog level, lithium springs, skippers, why God is so real, he'll save somebody from welding. Isn't it amazing? You say, isn't it amazing that somebody like us can walk in there where God is? Where the glory is, where the presence is, where the blood is. And just when I thought, it hit me. It's even better than that. You say, now, Brother Joe, you've really lost your mind. How does it get better than that? Well, that day you trusted Christ and his blood for your salvation. That presence that was in there moved in here that blood that was in there moved in here hold on that glory that was in there moved in here the mercy that was in there moved in here Christ in you the hope of glory so therefore, God, hallelujah, he is in the temple. The Lord is in his holy temple. But can I quote some more scripture? First Corinthians chapter number six and verse number 19 says, what know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? I'm telling you, God lives in here. The blood is in here. Presence is in here. Mercy's in here. You say, preacher, how do you know God's with us all the way? We take him everywhere we go. I had a friend of mine that taught a Sunday school class right in the heart of Metro Atlanta. She got a great burden for them kids. Brother, you think you know something about the Bible? You teach a bunch of kids. They'll ask you questions Schofield and D.L. Moody never thought about. She's teaching one night on the dangers of alcoholic beverages, how alcohol will destroy your life. She stopped by the fish bait store and got her some night crawlers. Stopped by the Walmart and got her a bottle of rubbing alcohol. And then got her a glass of water. 
She put that alcohol on this side and that water on that side, took him night crawlers and let them in both, the water and the alcohol. Boy, they was just floating around in the water, but it didn't take long till the alcohol killed them night crawlers. She said, boys and girls, what does this teach you? And a little snotty-nosed boy in the front row said, teaches me if you got worms, just drink alcohol. He was from frog level. Guarantee you, one of them authors, or them Turner or them Johnson boys, say amen. I'm telling you. A friend of mine was in Sunday school one day and she was teaching that great text, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Little girl raised her hand. The teacher said, Susie, what is it? She said, I don't understand. And she said, what don't you understand, baby? She said, if God is so big, and if that big old God lives in little old me, won't he stick out somewhere? I wonder if there's anybody in this room tonight you believe that that big old God lives in little old us. He's going to stick out somewhere. I'm glad we can go to the throne of grace and I'm glad the throne of grace is in us. Aren't you glad tonight as the children of God, the blood of Christ, the mercy of God, the presence of God is in us and we are more than conquerors. I'm done tonight. The burden of his prayer, the basis of his prayer. But I want you to see tonight in the text the blessing of Hezekiah's prayer. Verse number 35 said, and it came to pass that night. You know what Hezekiah did? He took his burden to the Lord and he left it there. After he poured out his heart before God, you know what he did? He left church, he left the temple and went home and went to bed and went to sleep. You say, why did he do that? Because you might as well sleep when you put it in the hands of the Lord. Can I quote another verse? The Bible said the Lord never sleeps or slumbers. So since the Lord stays up all night, he didn't no need for me to stay up all night. And he put that burden in the hands of God and he went home. And he went to bed. And he went to sleep. And while he was at home, in bed, asleep. So him nor his military would get any credit. God. I felt it again, children. God stepped out of heaven, came on the scene, and what you literally have is divine intervention. Can I tell you what America needs tonight? For God to intervene. You say, Brother Joe, why are you so concerned? Well, I have five reasons to be concerned. You say, what are those five reasons? I feel like your pastor felt for a long time. My life is ruled by women. My mother was a woman and is. My wife's a woman, good looking one on top of that. Whoop! You say, beauty is only skin deep. I know, but that ugly cuts down to the bone. 
I have a daughter, a blonde-headed, blue-eyed, defense attorney daughter. She needs to be saved. And I got five of the most beautiful, except these right here. Got five of the most beautiful grand. We can't have no boys in our, ain't nobody man enough to have us. I got one, that's it. I've been thinking about adopting me some sons. Five granddaughters. And they're five, four, three, two, and a month old. And I'm telling you, if you look on their pinkies dangling by my pocketbook, you'll find Papa. They, they, they make places like Cracker Barrel so people like me will spend their life savings. And then somebody will build a mall called Dollar General. Yeah, come on. Woo! Where you can buy that cheap stuff. Play with it an hour, throw it away. You didn't pay but a dollar for it. And them five little granddaughters are members of my church. I'll look up some Sunday. Well, not Sunday morning. They're in my son's Navigator's Children's Church. But I'll look up sometime on Sunday night. And I'll see two of them looking at me like, what's wrong with granddaddy? One of them came up to me and said, granddaddy, why did you lose your voice? Have you been hollering too much? I said, you tell your grandmother to keep quiet. I didn't tell her. I told her to tell her. I'm not as dumb as I look. Listen, women in politics, that's nothing new. Julie's been the speaker of our house for 38 years. Oh, I feel conviction. I feel conviction. And five little granddaughters. The other night I was a preacher another night and I looked over there and that was two of them looking over that bench at their grandpa. And I thought, oh God, I'll be 60 years old next month. That don't sound old to some people. <laughs> There's some of them in this room been 60 twice. Can I say amen right Fat. <laughs> well, Glory. But there's some of you looking at me like 60 years old, man. He's an old dude. I'll be 60 years old coming up. And I know that my best days are way behind me. I know that I'm at the sunset of my ministry. Twelve weeks ago, I thought I was at the end of my ministry. And God's gave me a little bit of extension. And I want to use everything I got to knock a devil upside the head one more time. Can I get a witness in the church house? I know I'm at the sunset. But them little granddaughters of mine have got to live in this country. They got to raise families in this country. And if we don't have a change and a big one real soon, it's going to be a dark place a place that's going to be worse than Sodom and Gomorrah because they didn't have a church or a Bible. But I refuse to go down without a fight because I can go up. I can draw nigh. But I can go in and 
touch heaven and get a hold of God. And I just believe there's enough believers at Victory Baptist Church in this service tonight that can plead the blood of Christ, cast ourselves on the mercy of God, and see God intervene one more time. I know the Senate and the House and the Executive Office has lost their ever-loving mind, but God is still sovereign. God is still omnipotent, and I believe he cares for the next generation. I'm going to ask you to do tonight what that lady asked Mays Jackson 50-some years ago. She wanted Brother Mays to touch heaven for her son. I want to ask you tonight, will you touch heaven for my grandbabies? Will you touch heaven for them children in our church? Will you touch heaven for them teenagers that go to Harvest Baptist? Will you touch heaven for your children? Will you touch heaven for your grandchildren? Will you touch heaven for Roanoke Rapids. Roanoke Rapids needs revival. Roanoke Rapids needs revival. Halifax County needs revival. Money's not enough. Politics is not enough. And government grants is not enough. We need to get a hold of God. But I believe there's enough people in this room tonight can say, I'm gonna take my burden to the Lord and I'm gonna leave it there. And I'm going to claim the mercy of God and the blood of God and the presence of God and the glory of God. And tonight God is able to roll up his sleeve. And wouldn't it be something? We could tell our babies that night. That night. I remember that Monday night when I tapped into the gold mine. When I got a hold of God, God got a hold of me. That night, God turned my family around. That night, God turned my grandchildren's life around. That night, God turned my ministry around. That night, God turned our church around. Can I tell you this tonight? God is still in the business. That night, somebody touch heaven. Hallelujah. I'm glad God still answers prayer. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.